Good stuff. Hey, kids, hold on a minute. We have to bless our moms or get to bless our moms here today. I came across some quotes uh, about, some of them are, are parented, but these are, these are quotes from real live moms. Okay, here's the first one. Nothing is really lost until a mom can't find it. <laughs> right? Um, here's another quote. Yes, please, get a new cup every time you need a drink of water. Said no mom ever. The biggest thing I remember is that there was no, there was just no transition. You hit the ground diapering. Did you know when kids go to bed, you can hear yourself think again? I sound fabulous. I like this one. A two-year-old is kind of like having a blender, but you don't have a top for it. Uh, a couple more. I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford, then I want to move in with them. <laughs> and then 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can lie down again. So, hey, we are, moms, we are, we are blessed by you. You have a special place in the kingdom of God. I was just thinking today of, of you know, in the first part of the gospel of Matthew and Luke, here it's honoring of Jesus' mother, Mary, and then the role that she played in his life. Because we, we presume it's not recorded that Joseph, the father, died sometime before Jesus started his ministry. And then of all things that he had to worry about and was dealing with on the cross, he makes sure his mom's okay. <laughs> and so that is a special uh, thing uh, for us to remember in honoring them. Uh, and, and we recognize as well, I mean, if you're like me, Mother's Day is not always a happy day. There might be some pain associated with that. But we want to honor what, they have, what our moms have done for us and how they have contributed to our walk with the Lord. So what I'd like you to do is I'm going to pray in a minute. But if there's a mom near you, maybe put your hand on their shoulder uh, as, we, as we pray for them. Some of you are sitting right next to each other, and you could do that. And let's, uh, let's pray for them, and then the kids will be dismissed downstairs. Lord God, we are grateful. I am grateful, Lord, for um, my real mom. I'm grateful, Lord, for uh, moms who, when I was in high school, uh, first of all, my sister, who really raised me uh, most of my life and, and acted as my mom, uh, taking me to all the places I needed to go, just like uh, uh, any, any other mom might do, but also for uh, Mary and for Sherry and for Mrs. Neely. We never called her by her first name, but all those three ladies poured into my life. And so, Lord, we thank you for the special place, the influence that moms have, that God seems to have wired into them and into us, that we um, can only hear certain messages from them. And so, Lord, I do simply pray, pray for a blessing upon our moms. Pray that we as their children would uh, honor them not just today, but every day uh, as, as they deserve. Um, but, Lord, also remember to show kindness and mercy and patience uh, with them as they show it to us. So, Lord, we do pray this blessing upon them and pray this in your name. Amen. All righty. Kids can go ahead and head downstairs. We are uh, working on our names of God. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I had a, actually a whole mom story here. At our mailbox, we have this cover on it. Uh, that we, It's really a planter. And there's been a mama dove 
who built a nest right on top of that thing. And it's been, like, I mean, there's been storms, there's been, um, uh, you know, hail and freezing rain and wind and all this stuff, but she's there. I mean, I go up there to get my mail, and she looks at me like this. And the mail, you know, the mail carrier comes, but she's been guarding her egg, and I don't even know if it's hatched yet, for, for a lot of weeks now. And I just thought, yeah, that's mom <laughs> taking care of our kids uh, like that. Even, even doves know this. Um, so we are going to cover a couple more names today, but I have a little challenge for us for ne- actually coming up for next Sunday. Are you ready? Next Sunday, and this, this may be a challenge more for some than others, but next Sunday, and I'm also got to, of course, admit this really is something I need to work on myself. Next Sunday, let's all be at our ideal weight. <laughs> I mean, you got a week, right? Okay, I got a week. I got, I got some I could lose. Is that unreasonable? Yeah. Yeah, even if you didn't eat a, I know if I, again, speaking for myself, if I didn't eat a thing, just had water I, for a week, I still would not be at my ideal weight. That would be unreasonable. Now, could I? Could I do that? Yes. I mean, my weight goes like this throughout my whole life. Uh, but, so, so I know the, that is possible, but it is indeed a process, is it not? Okay, so the first name we're going to look at is, is, let me make sure I say this correctly, Yahweh M. Kadesh, and it means the Lord who sanctifies. And what that means is that God has, is putting us through a process to become more and more like him. Yahweh M. Kadesh. It is a, a word, a big word we say, sanctifies, sanctification, and it just means that process of becoming more and more like the Lord. Literally, it's to make whole, to set apart. It's also that idea of setting apart something for holiness. Uh, dedicated, consecrated people and things and even days can be consecrated or set apart for the Lord. And these words, sanctify, holy, saint, uh, Why they sound different in English, they're very closely related in Hebrew and in Greek, both the Old and New Testament languages. Let me give you a few examples. Leviticus 20, verses 7 and 8. Uh, Moses speaking through the, or by the words of the Lord, saying, Consecrate yourselves. In other words, sanctify yourselves, change yourself, hold yourself apart, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord. Here it is. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Yahweh M. Kadesh. You must be sure to obey my statutes. Here it is again. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. He's warning them in this section of Leviticus about idolatry. Because back then, all the other nations had all their idols. They all had their own gods. Most of them had multiple gods. And so he says, look, you're going to be set apart. You're going to be different. You're only going to be one. You only have one God. In fact, there's all, there is only one God. And you're going to be different, set apart in your worship and your practice. Yet, as we see that, as he says, look, Israel, my people, you consecrate yourself. You kind of cooperate with what I am doing. But it's very clear, it's God the one who makes them holy. 
The Israelites can prepare themselves outwardly, but he works inwardly. Now, how does that work together? It, in many ways, it's, it's kind of like we're cooperating. As, as a believer in Christ grows and they become more and more like him. And maybe you could look back over the past year or five years and say, you know what? I could see that the Lord's worked in my life in, you pick the area. That's the Lord sanctifying you. That is him changing you. But we can cooperate with that. I, kinda, I think maybe as, as a, a coach or baseball, football, hockey coach, ba- basketball coach, the coach is the one who knows his team members, knows the people there, and he says, well, this, this, this player needs to work on this skill and this one the other skill and get, you know, does the drills and gets them motivated and makes them run until they throw up because they're messing around, you know, all that stuff that coaches do. And, and yet the, the player all of a sudden looks back, maybe on the end of a season, says, wow, I, could, I couldn't do that block before, but now I can, or I couldn't hit that three-point shot but now I can. Thanks, coach. See, the, the player had to listen. The player had to cooperate with what the coach wanted to do. But the plan and the motivation and everything was behind what was the coach himself. It's, an, it's just an example of what the Lord does. He's the one that does that supernatural work in our hearts to make us more like Christ. A couple other examples of how this idea of setting apart or growth, holiness, has to, um, has to do with one another. Uh, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. So in other words, set that day apart uh, as you were separated for a holy purpose. Uh, Isaiah 8.13 um, talks about the Lord himself, the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. He is separated. That was Isaiah 8.13. And then... I like this one, especially it's kind of Mother's Day passage as well. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called as a prophet of the Lord. And here's what God told him. Because Jeremiah was a young guy, and he's supposed to preach to a bunch of old guys. And he was feeling a little intimidated to have to do this, especially in a, in a very patriarchal society where a young man wouldn't have that kind of standing. But look what God says in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated, I sanctified you. And I appoint you a prophet to the nations. So before he was born, God set apart, consecrated, prepared Jeremiah to be a prophet. Um, in contrast, I'll let you look at, there's a couple other passages you could look at. Ezekiel 20. And Ezekiel 36, uh, those 36, 22, and 23, these uh, describe the, the contrast of being sanctified or holy, but uh, falling into idolatry or falling away from the Lord, not listening to him. So we, we don't have time to go into those this morning, so you can look at them. Now, what we've tried to do as we've gone through these messages on the names of the Lord is to show, well, do these kind of carry through into the New Testament, and yes, they all do. This one does as well. We're gonna, I'm going to look at two different authors, both Peter and Paul. Both are in, almost say the exact same thing about this idea of 
sanctification, about being coming more and more like Christ. So um, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's like saying, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate your, your bodies. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we see this appeal to God saying, God, I am cooperating with you. I'm going to agree with you that I need to have some change in my life to become more and more and more like Jesus. See, we don't get there until we actually either die or see him at his return. And he completes the transformation. First Peter. Yeah, Peter, Paul, completely different guys. But listen to this. It's almost the same idea. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, cooperate with what God's doing in your heart. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passage of your passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is based on the Lord. The holiness is not following some kind of list and rules. I mentioned earlier that holiness and sanctification and the word saint are all very close together. If you looked them up, especially in a Greek dictionary, you'd see them almost come right after each other. One's kind of a verb form, one's kind of a noun form, but verbs and nouns won't change your life. So we'll, let's move on for that. But uh, a saint... I grew up in a tradition where a saint was a designation. It was people were declared saints. And in my mind, as a, as a young child, I, I called them the statue people. Because that's what they were to me. That was, you know, this St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Patrick, uh, all these different people who were declared saints. And then once in a while, there'd be this declaration, there's a new saint out there. And it's like, well, how do you get that? You know, and why did, why did Paul, you know, in all his letters, Paul, an apostle to the saints at this, it's like, so he's writing to what, three people? What, what's he talking about to the saints? Here's what it is biblically, though. When someone becomes a believer in Christ, two things happen. Number one, you become instant a saint. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't give up everything I own and all those different, do all these wonderful works. No, every believer is called a saint, a holy one, a set-apart one. And it took some rewiring in my brain to get a hold of that. That's where it starts. But the second thing that happens is that there is a beginning of a process, sanctification. Like losing weight, it takes time. And you know, like losing weight, you're gonna, you might fluctuate a little bit. But when it comes to being more and more like Christ, God says, yes, I want that for you. I want that for myself. God, what can I do? How can I cooperate with that? 
What is his part and what is our part? Uh, a couple other passages. Uh, you could look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Uh, and in your body and soul kept blameless to the end, uh, to the uh, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does this mean for us that God does this for us practically? If you're like me, there are times where you're frustrated with the same old sins, the same ones. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's fill in the blank. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's pride. God, I'm, I did it again. I did it again. Or a sharp word. Or, uh, and you just think, how long, how long, oh Lord, are you going to be patient with me? He's very patient. Don't give up. Because it's his job. It is God's will that you and I become sanctified. It's his desire that we become more and more like him. It's his will. And in fact, as we saw here, it's more than his will. It's his, one of his names, the Lord who sanctifies. He will do it. As I said, it starts with the additional salvation, and then he will finish it. He'll bring it about. How does he do that? Well, he's got all kinds of different ways he does that. Sometimes it's just a correction. So maybe, maybe it's even happening right now as you're hearing the word preached to you and God's Holy Spirit is saying, hey, clock in here. Quit thinking about making Mother's Day meal or whatever it is you're doing. You need to hear this. And other times maybe he gets a little bit firmer or Hebrews 12 tells us that God loves us so much that he disciplines us and he's going to correct us because that's what a loving father will do. God will bring it about. Hopefully, hopefully we learn it easier than the harder way. Our part, we just say, God, that's what I want too. And be in agreement with him. Uh, to keep away from those, those things, those issues, those stumbling blocks, so to speak, that are contrary to God's holiness. Consecrate yourself. If you have a, um, a problem with especially for the men, if you have a problem with what you're watching on your computer screens, then get help. Get someone who will help hold you accountable. I have someone, I have people that I ask, hey, help keep me accountable in what I'm seeing uh, on, on my computer. Because you never know, especially these days, what's going to pop up. Uh, abandon, and this is the big one, abandon pride. You know, we in our community, we tend to be kind of the I'll do it myself, kind of folks. I'm going to pull up, pull up by, my, by my bootstraps. I'm going to do it. You know, we get a, a big project at home or something, and we think, I'll just do it myself, when there are probably lots of people around who would help you if we let them. Uh, and especially when it comes to the Lord, it's saying, God, I don't have this. I don't have this. And you, many of you have heard my story before where I could not stop getting angry and, and putting my kids down and just being vicious with my words. 
and I couldn't stop. And I had my head in my hands and I finally said, God, I can't do this. I need you. And that began a whole nother journey for me to get free from that. But it started with abandoning pride. If you have the attitude, well, I'll just knuckle down and do it. My dad smoked from when he was 16 till he was about 48. And he just stopped. I got tired of coughing. Dad was a guy who was really good at just knuckling down. You know what? Don't get that attitude. That's arrogant. Get the attitude of, I'm going to rely on the Lord. Get help from His Holy Spirit. Get help from the Word of God and one another. Don't quit, and especially when you fall. I want to say you'll never do that sin again. But you probably will. You know what you do? You confess and you get right with God and you go on again. You start over. What's that expression? Get back on the horse? Get back on the horse. God's not going to run out of patience with you. Please don't quit when you fail. Don't give in. God will get you there. And if you think, how could he do that? You're talking about God. <laughs> he can do it. He can bring freedom. He can bring uh, uh, a time, and it, might, and it might be the rest of your life. I, was dealing, uh, I know I've mentioned sexual issues a couple times. I had a young man come to me just with frustration, and he says, well, I struggle with this. This is about maybe 23, 24-year-old. Well, I struggle with this my whole life? And I said, probably, but not forever. There'll come a time where Jesus will transform you. Yes, you can find freedom in this life, this side of heaven, this side of the grass. And ultimately, we will lose that propensity. We talk about the new heaven and new earth, and we get new bodies, new resurrected bodies. And there's some indication in scriptures that there's almost some superhero power stuff involved with these new bodies. But the big thing, the much cooler thing is, is the loss of the propensity to sin. Never being tempted to do fill in the blank again. Wow, that's the great part. He will finish it. Let's, um, let's pause and pray, and we'll do another worship song, and look at the second word. So here's some suggestions. First of all, thank you, Yahweh M. Kadesh, for setting me apart from, maybe there's something God is, I could say for setting me apart from an angry spirit. And then perhaps you want to pray just a one-sentence prayer. I want to present my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That was from that Romans passage. So let's pause. And if you'd like to pray out loud, you're welcome to do that. And then we'll, we'll worship. Yahweh M. Kadesh for setting us apart as lights in this community. Mm-hmm.
Yahweh M. Kadesh, we want to cooperate with your work in our lives and our hearts. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we, we don't want to submit to that because we, maybe we love the things we're doing that are hurtful and harmful and sinful. Maybe we love them. But God, by our hearts today, search our hearts that we indeed would present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord to cooperate with your work that's going on in our lives and our hearts. God, we're going to worship you now and come before you and remember your, um, uh, your place in our lives and our hearts. Amen. So come on up, worship team. It's close. It's three, just three letters. It is the word zhur, and it means rock. God is a rock. Now, when we say that, do we mean this? Those of you who don't know, he's called the rock. Okay. No, of course not. It is, it's a figure of speech, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, people say, and we believe it, and we teach us, we, we take the word of God literally, but the Bible is filled with figures of speech, which means you don't take that completely literally. You take the meaning literally. God is not a literal rock, but he is a rock. And when it comes to that idea that he, you know, what do we mean by that? It's he's a firm foundation. He's a protection. When, when everything is shaking, he's firm. Uh, he's an anchor. When uh, we lived in California, we experienced from time to time earthquakes. Most earthquakes you know, they knock a few jars off the shelves in the stores, and that's about it. I know there have been ba other bad ones in the past. But it's funny to feel the ground feel like water. It just, it's, it's just these waves going underneath your feet. And for the next 20, 25 minutes, you're, you're a little tentative <laughs> on walking because you don't know if it's going to move on you. See, that's not a rock. That's something that can move God is, though. Now, there's a psalm. We're going to look at several verses. It's, it is a psalm, but it's not in the book of psalms. It's, well, actually, it may be. But it's recorded here in Deuteronomy 23. Moses wrote this song out, and he, he pretty much dictated the lyrics to the people of Israel. And he mentions God as a rock so many times, we can almost give it a title, call it the psalm. For our rock. And so we'll just let me just read through a few verses here of that idea. Verse 4 of Deuteronomy 32. The rock, his way is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without, without iniquity, just and upright is he. In verse 15, but Jershuin grew fat and kicked. It's, who is he talking about? Jershuin is a kind of a nickname for Israel, and it, it, it literally means the beloved, his beloved one. So he's talking about the people of Israel. But Jershwin grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. 
Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at who? The rock of his salvation. Verse 18, you forgot the rock who fathered you and put out of mind the God who gave you birth. Verse 30, how could, um, how could one have chased a thousand and two and put ten thousand to fly, flight, sorry, unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? And then finally, for their rock is not our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. Let me summarize those. In times of battle, now for Israel, they fought literal battles, uh, but they also had spiritual battles. The same is true for our spiritual battles today. God is a rock. Last fall, we covered the uh, armor of God. It's not the armor that is provided by God. It's the armor of God. It's his armor. He is the rock. He's the one on whom we trust uh, in times of battle. Moses also pointed out of times of faithlessness and rebellion. When it seems like, uh, you know, there's you know, every week in the news, there's some other, some other pastor, some other public person who has uh, abandoned the Lord, who's caused some grievous sin or something or is unrepentant and even as a nation as we look at that God is still a rock he is still the foundation none of that changes even when his people don't follow him well he protects and he guards that whole that verse about how one person could chase a thousand that's an act of the Lord for that even when he disciplines because he disciplined his people Israel he disciplines his church in the New Testament um, and he is a place to hide he is a place of protection he is a place where the foundations won't slip a couple other references you could look at Isaiah 30 29 Isaiah 30 29 he's the rock of Israel and then I love the little book of Habakkuk we did a sermon series on that several years ago too Habakkuk is having a hard day, and he brings his complaint to God. You could do that, by the way. If you're upset with how things are going and you're frustrated, you can, you can call out and say whatever you want to God. But what Habakkuk did is when he gave his complaint, it was a lament. And this is true for any lament found in Scripture. You can be honest with God, but then trust him for the results. Trust him later on. It's a little side note. Habakkuk's looking at his, his fellow Israelites and says, everyone's awful, everyone's terrible. And, and he says, God, do something, do something. And God responds to him, and I'm going to paraphrase, got it, Habakkuk. We got this all taken care of. We've been preparing this for years now. I'm going to send the Babylonians to take care of this. And Habakkuk says, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. This would be like, this would be like saying, um, we're, we're falling into sin. Let's get the Soviet Union to come and straighten this out. You know, that, that's kind of the same political thing that's going on there. And he says, God, you're a rock. You're a rock during this struggle. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, the, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. See, even though he didn't understand, he's acknowledging 
God, you're my rock. If you continue reading the book, you see that Habakkuk starts to get it. And later on, he confesses, you know, if there's no, no buds on the trees, no sheep in the field, those kind of, I'm, nonetheless, I'm going to write, uh, I'm going to worship the Lord. So what does it mean for us today as God is a rock, zhur? What does that mean? We have to ask ourselves, on what or on whom do we depend? Or what, on what or whom do we depend? These things, and they might be very good things, are not rocks. They're not. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your personal health. Maybe it is your income or a family member, or a political outcome. Again, there's not necessarily anything wrong with those. In fact, we could even say many of these things are good. But they're not rocks like the Lord is a rock. They're not a foundation like he is. Any of those things can be lost today. Any of them. And so we can't put our trust in them ultimately. They can fail us. They can flat out disappear. Many believers feel this frustration because they put their faith in non-rock things. For example, a spouse may be wonderful, but they're not rocks, nor can they be. We shouldn't put our our spouse in a place of being a rock. It's an unreasonable expectation to put people or anything else in that role. Doesn't mean we don't ever depend on them. Doesn't mean they don't help us. It's not the point. It's where is our foundation? You know, every, every night I go to sleep and I'm counting on my roof to keep the rain off of me. My, but, you know, I have to acknowledge it's God is the one who gave me the house. He's my rock. He's the one ultimately may use other things, other people, other situation, but he is our rock. I want to encourage all of us to make God your rock. What's your future hold? What's your future hold? Maybe, you know, next, next week we're going to encourage some of the graduates. We have a few graduates for high school. Well, they're thinking about their future all the time. Or you're a college student. What is your future hold? Maybe you're, you're approaching or in the middle of retirement. You know, I don't know how long this is going to work. Maybe you trust him for his work in your life. We talked about that earlier. God who sanctifies. Even when we fail, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is a rock. We can count on him. He's our rock when he corrects us, when he brings that discipline, that conviction of the Holy Spirit. says, gosh, you really need to work on this or that. How about in times of trials? Maybe it's a health trial. Maybe it is a financial trial or a relationship trial or, boy, fill in the blank. Just some struggle that, that it's the thing you think about when you wake up in the middle of the night. Trust him when you're attacked, when people misunderstand, when people uh, will see no good in you. Trust him when he is a rock. He, is, he will not move. 
He's, there's never going to be an earthquake. That rock's never going to split. It's never going to slide off the side of the mountain. You build your house on a rock. A rock. In our pause and pray time, um, it, it, you know we've been doing this for a while. We've been doing these pause and pray moments. And you just think, oh, I, I don't want to say anything out loud. And that's always okay. But you know what? I have a, su- a suggestion for you this time around. Maybe you just want to pray this out loud or quietly. God, you are my one and only, you are my one and only rock, O oh Lord. And that's your prayer. If you want to say that out loud. Or maybe there's something specific. I will remember my rock when. And you can fill in the blank there. So let's pause here. After this, we're going to have a time of communion at the Lord's table. So let's pray again. I declare you are my one and only rock, O Lord. Lord, there are so many times when we've put our trust in other things. And again, as we've said, even, even good things, righteous things. But Lord, we want to have that attitude of Job. You give, you take away. But you never change, O Lord. You are our God. You are our rock. And however um, our culture goes, however our, our lives go, our health, um, our jobs, our even, even, even painful issues within families and those relationships there, Lord, you are our rock. You will do what you have set uh, in course to accomplish, to, to make happen. So God, we want to remember you. I, just, I pray for us. I pray for us as a church, especially this week. We don't know what's going to happen the rest of today and all the way through next Sunday. But Lord, it's very possible, in fact, probable, that we're going to face some life-shaking issues. And Lord, we pray that you would remind us that you, Zer, are our rock, the one on whom we depend. And give us that confidence and that faith. Help us in our unbelief. In your name, amen. Uh, Usually second uh, Sunday of every week, we remember the Lord's table, communion. And if you are a believer in Christ, you don't have to be a member of Zion, but if you believe in the Lord, he's your Savior, he's your Lord, we welcome you to join us and encourage all of us to take time to uh, seek his face, say, God, is there anything I'm holding back? Is there anything I need to confess with you? And get right with him. If, uh, and when you're ready, you can come up as a family or an individually uh, and take a piece of the bread. I encourage you to break it to remind you of the broken body of Christ. And then the juice reminds us of his shed blood. So let me pray, and then we'll um, have just a little bit more to finish our time together this morning. Lord God, we acknowledge and remember the work of Jesus on the cross and how this is a reminder of your covenant, your promise, that if I die, if I know I die, I will be with you forever because your sin paid for my or your sin, your sacrifice paid for my sin. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a relief to know that that your blood is adequate. Your sacrifice is more than I need to get right with the God of heaven. So I want to remember that and acknowledge it today as we break the bread, as we drink the cup. 
of what you've done for us. In your name, amen. A few announcements for you. Um, we have an op- we've had this for a while. It's an opportunity uh, that is available to anyone here. It is called Right Now Media. And there, you see there's 3,500 discipleship videos for kids, youth, and adults. Uh, it is, I don't know, I've explained it before, and it's probably not completely accurate, but like a Christian Netflix, uh, where there are, uh, there are Bible studies, there are subject-specific uh, things like parenting, marriage stuff. Um, uh, there's things on apologetics, how to defend your faith. There's a lot of things for kids, uh, you know, animated, so forth, and kids-directed materials. There's a bunch on there. There's uh, some history things, church history, American history. And the good news is it's really free for you. I mean, we, you pay, we pay for it out of our budget. But all you need to do is send me an email, joe at zionlife.com, joe at zionlife.com, and I'll send you a link where you can just set up your own account. Okay, and just you know, start exploring and looking at those various things. But there's there's a lot up there and available, and just wanted you to remind you of those things as well. Other thing is kids camp. I think it's July. I want to say 16th, uh, and we have our opportunities to help out with that. If you look at the color cards, blue, yellow, green, orange, blue, uh, there are ways that you can help support kids camp if. Um, if there's a child, maybe in your neighborhood or or friend of your kids or grandkids, you want them to be part of that. It's just ninety nine dollars for the whole week. And also, we're always looking for volunteers. Even if you could do a day or two, um, that's that's great too, especially in the kitchen. And so there's an opportunity in one of those cards. Uh, Amy, do you remember which one's the volunteer one? Which what? The white one. Okay, so the white one's for volunteering, and we'll get that to uh, the leaders. Uh, there's a few meetings you need to attend, and then they will help you with that. So next week, so far, the weather looks good for our bike ride on the 21st. And so that is our family fun day that we've rescheduled. So please put that down, and we will uh, be riding along the East Brady uh, Railster Trails. All right, so let's continue, Michael.